Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. A mother's love is always tied to loss. It goes so fast, well-meaning, wiser, older mothers tell me. They don't have to tell me. I know. And there is simply no way to hold on to time. I find myself dreaming of the day she can walk, can talk, can fall asleep without me. Won't that be wonderful? And then I think of five months ago, the small, precious, fragile newborn that has somehow become this beautiful, smiling, moving baby. Who is she? Where did she go? And I feel that I lost something on the way, that I didn't soak it in quite enough, didn't love enough in the moment. Because when you're tired or touched out or trying to establish a sense of routine, you feel a sense of foreboding. Time is passing. There is nothing I can do. I cannot hold her enough. I cannot love her enough. She is growing and will one day grow up and grow away. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away, I read, and he said to his mother, I am running away. I turned to Joe, her eyes locked on mine. If you run away, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you are a bird, I will be a tree that you fly home to. If you are a rock, I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you are a fish, I will be a fisherman and I will fish for you. Children's books are full of dead and lost mothers, of runaway children and orphans. They are rehearsing the worst case scenario, but they are also dreaming and anticipating the day when they will be on their own, out of their mother's arms. I have always been the child in the story, the heroine striking out on her own, but now I am the mother and my arms ache in anticipatory loss. September is a month of sorrows, but it is also a month of the deepest, most abiding love. Seven is a complete number. It represents perfection and balance in the Bible. On the seventh day, God rested. Seven sorrows, seven moments for Mary to fall deeper in love with her son. Ted Hughes wrote a beautiful poem, The Seven Sorrows of Autumn, and it begins, The first sorrow of autumn is the slow goodbye. When we give birth to our children, we are beginning the slow goodbye. Autumn is the slow fading, the dying, the turning, the crying inward. It is weeping at the prophecy of contradiction and loss, but it is also the tangled love of a mother for her child, a love forever united with grief and tears. I will not say do not weep, for not all tears are evil, Gandalf says as he departs Middle-earth. Sometimes our sorrows tell us of our greatest loves. A child of so many tears could never be lost, St. Monica was told as she prayed for her son, the future St. Augustine. A month for the deepest thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. A month to fall deeper into loss, a heavy weight and burden of temporal life. 
September is a month of sorrows, but every mother already knows this. She sits with Mary and ponders these things in her heart, waiting for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. On this podcast, we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder, awe, and gratitude in the world. That beautiful piano music you just heard was uh, by the composer Max Richter, and it's called Autumn One, and it's from his album Songs from Before. I just think it's a stunning piece of music. And uh, the little snippet from an essay there uh, was written by me, uh, and it's called The Sorrows of Autumn, and you can read the whole essay up on my blog. I just posted it this week. I will put a link in the show notes. And the inspiration for the topic today is the fact that it is September. It is the month of uh, the sorrows of the Virgin Mary, the seven sorrows of Mary, It is, uh, in my mind at least, the start of fall. Um, This no white after Labor Day, could care less about that, but I'm saying uh, no summer after Labor Day. Just weather-wise, decor-wise, just everything. Um, If you're ordering a Starbucks, better be pumpkin spice or this new um, apple crisp drink they have. I don't know, but everything's going to be fall from now on, autumn only. Uh, That's the rule on this podcast at least, so... (laughs) I am exiting my air-conditioned cave and rejoining the world. I am so excited. We have just been blessed with an amazing Labor Day weekend where it was actually really cool in the mornings, um, 50 degrees. Uh, I was up on Saturday at 5 a.m. to go out for opening day of fox hunting, a very strange pastime of mine that if you ever want me to explain to you, just send me an email and I'd be happy to. Um, But in any case, it requires a very early wake up and uh, we got to ride out on our horses uh, at sunrise. The hounds sounded fantastic. Um, bang hounds out fox hunting, you call their, their bang music, and it really did sound like music, just sort of echoing over these fields just covered in dew and fog, and our uh, our tweed was actually appropriate. We weren't all, all sweating in 90-degree heat. It was, it was absolutely glorious. So what a start to fall. Um, I'm so happy it's here. I'm so happy to celebrate it. So maybe it seems a little strange for somebody who's as obsessed with fall as I am to be doing a podcast about the sorrows of autumn, but uh, but that sort of is appropriate for autumn, right? I guess I'm I'm a little uh, bit of a melancholy soul, I guess. I like to meditate on these things. I've always always been interested in um, in in meditating on on the darker aspects of life, and uh, we we get to look forward now to all hollow tide and um and all souls day and just all these amazing opportunities for some memento mori some excuses to wander graveyards and uh think deep thoughts in the hopefully blustery uh rainy weather that will be awaiting us the next few months we can only hope so uh that's what we're meditating on today that's what we're going to be talking about um the sorrows of Mary. So this devotion, this is a liturgical devotion for the month of September to the seven sorrows of the Virgin Mary. Uh, 
this has been a practice since um, since the Middle Ages. Saint Bridget of Sweden had a had a vision in which the Virgin Mary uh, told her how uh, how sad she was about how little compassion there was for her and her suffering as as a mother who uh, watched her son be crucified. She she said that there would be this great devotion to to the sorrows of Mary's heart, which are as follows. Which is the first the first sorrow is the prophecy of Simeon, the second the flight into Egypt, then losing Jesus for three days, carrying of the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus taken down from the cross, and Jesus laid in the tomb. Those are the seven sorrows of the Virgin Mary. And I think, and this was sort of the inspiration for uh, that bit of the essay that I read to you, is that as a mother entering into the passion this way, um, whether or not you're a biological mother or not, uh, just entering into the motherhood of Mary and experiencing the crucifixion and the salvation story um, through her eyes uh, is, is really, really powerful. And the first sorrow, this prophecy of Simeon, is some of the most poetic language, I think, in the Bible. And it is, um, I, if I put myself in Mary's shoes, just just someone saying this to me, I can't imagine just this sinking feeling, just this knowing that something like this is coming would be... Um, would be kind of terrifying, uh, especially as a mother, knowing what's coming uh, for, for your child. Um, it, it breaks my heart to even think about, but um, the, the prophecy of Simeon, he says that a, a sword will pierce her very soul. Um, that is the prophecy for Mary. That is, that is what will happen to her uh, as he prophesizes that her son will be a sign that will be contradicted and that the deepest thoughts of many will be revealed. So this is, this is an amazing prophecy to, to ponder and meditate on. Um, and to think about the sor- the anticipatory sorrow, um, knowing what's coming, knowing that, uh, that her love for her son and her, her earthly motherhood and her spiritual motherhood are all tied up in, in violence and death and loss. Uh, it's, it's really, it, it brings, brings the whole, um, salvific story, I think, to light in a really beautiful, deep way. Um, and I also wanted to read to you uh, a poem by Ted Hughes, uh, which is called The Seven Sorrows of Autumn. And I can only assume that he was he was inspired here by The Seven Sorrows of Mary, but it's a really, really beautiful poem. I discovered it years and years ago, and it just captured to me that sort of turning inward part of autumn that, um, that I love so much and that I think makes this a really pensive time for so many people. So I'll be reading that poem, and then uh, then we'll sort of change gears a little bit, and I'm going to read a bit of an essay I wrote last year, just sort of about how autumn inspires me to to reevaluate uh, my life. Basically, it always feels a bit more like New Year's than New Year's Day does. Uh, it's it's a chance to look at our routines, at, at how things are going. I think it's all tied up with sort of back to school mentalities, and I just find myself um, energized and ready to sort of evaluate how things are going and change accordingly. And um, just I feel this sense of optimism this time of year. So I know that lots of people are making difficult school decisions for their kids uh, with with ongoing pandemic and. Um, everybody is stressed, I know, but um, I hope that everybody is still also feeling a sense of optimism and a sense of hope that uh, that nothing uh, nothing brings me hope and optimism like a really crisp morning, hot cup of coffee, and 
uh, and that it is actually appropriate for me to wear a sweater. I, I try pretty much all year to wear sweaters and in uh, muggy 90 degree heat, it's it's not so great. So <laughs> um, so we'll end uh, end with that essay and um, sort of some uh, an optimistic um, recommendation for, for which movie you should watch. Um, bouquets of freshly sharpened pencils. That's what we're going for here. Um, if you know what movie that's from, <laughs> that will be my recommendation. Nothing says fall to me like that. Um, so if you're new to the podcast, again, my name is Katie Marquette. This is Born of Wonder. And uh, thank you so much. If you've been listening, if you've left a review, um, we've gotten some new reviews lately, and I love to read them. And of course, it helps in the iTunes algorithm to make sure that the podcast is showing up in searches and things like that being recommended. Uh, so it definitely is. It's great. Um, we've just recently reached over 2000 downloads. So that's really exciting. And I really, really appreciate everybody who's listened or emailed me, uh, followed along on social media or anything like that. Um, it's sort of podcasting is such a strange medium in a lot of ways uh, because here I am like it's nighttime in the study and I'm watching the baby on the monitor and um, I'm just sort of talking to myself but really I'm talking to all of you and it's it's a, a maybe a strange way to connect but um, a wonderful one too especially when I get messages uh, that uh, you know say that oh I I love selkies too or I hate a hundred degree weather like you makes me feel good and uh, I think that there are to quote Anne of Green Gables a lot of kindred spirits out there and I'm happy that you're following along The first sorrow of autumn is the slow goodbye of the garden who stands so long in the evening, a brown poppy head, the stalk of a lily, and still cannot go. The second sorrow is the empty feet of a pheasant who hangs from a hook with his brothers. The woodland of gold is folded in feathers with its head in a bag. And the third sorrow is the slow goodbye of the sun who has gathered the birds and who gathers the minutes of evening, the golden and holy ground of the picture. The fourth sorrow is the pond gone black, ruined and sunken the city of water, the beetle's palace, the catacombs of the dragonfly. And the fifth sorrow is the slow goodbye of the woodland that quietly breaks up its camp. One day it's gone, it has only left litter firewood, tent poles. And the sixth sorrow is the fox's sorrow, the joy of the huntsman, the joy of the hounds, the hooves that pound till earth closes her ear to the fox's prayer. And the seventh sorrow is the slow goodbye of the face with its wrinkles that looks through the window as the year packs up like a tatty fairground that came for the children. So that was uh, the Seven Sorrows by Ted Hughes. Um, I just, I just think it's, it's a lovely meditative poem. Uh, captures, captures a lot uh, about this time of year. 
that there is a sense of loss and uh, that it's just a beautiful way to mourn mourn and celebrate uh, the season through this poem. As, as infamous as Ted Hughes is as the ex-husband of Sylvia Plath, I do really enjoy a lot of his poetry, especially his nature poetry. He was a great environmentalist and um, almost became a zoologist. He, he had such a passion for animals and for the landscape and uh, was, a real, was a real naturalist. So uh, I think that really comes through in his poems. So I, I encourage you to explore them uh, and give him a chance. <laughs> I was skeptical about him too as a um, as an ardent admirer of Sylvia Plath, but his nature poems especially are very beautiful. So I'll be reading a little bit now from an essay I wrote uh, last year at this time, and it's called Autumn and the Return of Rhythm. For me, summer is a blur of muggy, hot, long days, cozy, beloved routines interrupted in favor of sporadic weeding in the sweltering humidity. The return of crisp breezes and golden leaves, on the other hand, promises stability, order, and ritual. My days start to make sense again. When I received my fall edition of Magnolia Journal in the mail, I grasped it like a good luck charm. Sure, the weather forecast is in the 90s, but here in my hands is the promise of baked apple pies, sweaters, fires, and endless cups of tea. The mornings are now tolerably cool, and every now and then there is a breeze with a hint of that smoky, earthy smell. Fall is coming, and I feel my body finding its equilibrium again. The theme for this season's magnolia was rhythm. It got me thinking about the rhythms of seasons and how changing seasons can restore our sense of purpose. In her letter from the editor, Joanna Gaines writes, When we aren't in rhythm, we flounder, or worse, we break apart. That's when it hit me, why summers have always been so existentially daunting for me. When I was younger, summer meant no school, and while I would relish the first weeks of freedom, I soon found myself missing the daily routine of friends, study, and even homework. I liked the structure. I liked the rhythm. I liked the steady pace of holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, promises of family gatherings and good food and occasions to celebrate. Summer only offered one measly holiday get-together in the form of a barbecue and fireworks. Fun, yes, but lacking the profundity I craved. I also have a perhaps unique aversion to the heat. I blame my German-Irish heritage. I'm much more comfortable on some rainy, chilly moors. As someone who loves being active outside, the hot, humid days simply drag by. I find myself hiding inside my air-conditioned house even as the rest of the world heads out into the sunshine for picnics and pool parties. While all my good intentions of a beautiful garden and a thriving vegetable patch re-emerge every spring, by July I'm almost too stressed to walk around the yard, mentally assaulted by the amount of weeding, mulching, and pruning there is to do. Autumn naturally lends itself to ritual creation. There are pumpkin patches, hay rides, jack-o'-lantern carvings, pies to bake, candles to light, and fires to read beside. As soon as the first few weeks of September roll around, I find myself naturally turning inward, decorating the house, cooking stews for hours, brewing hot cider on the stove. Rituals require slowness and comfort, a soft landing, a sense of familiarity and purpose. With those first few brisk mornings, I feel my excitement brimming. That first day of school, hot cup of coffee and a sweater on the porch, first fire in the fireplace feeling promises renewal, refreshment, and yes, rhythm. 
Not to overdo a metaphor, but I truly believe life is musical. It has markings for forte and pianissimo. It has tempo and timing and a distinct melody. Whether you're mourning the loss of warm summer nights or eagerly awaiting the first falling leaves, this time of changing seasons can be a moment of reset and restoration, a time to rediscover what sort of music we want to dance to. So that was a, an excerpt from um, an excerpt of sections from my essay on my website, uh, bornofwonder.com, uh, called "Autumn and the Return of Rhythm." Again, you can find the link to that in the show notes. But um, and that music that you heard is the Peat Dance by the Danish String Quartet. I just I have a I have a playlist called Fall Joy, and that is the first uh, first song on on the playlist. And it just always makes me think that I'm about to go to some sort of harvest festival or something like that. Uh, go to a pumpkin patch and start dancing around a, I assume you know that's a normal thing dancing at pumpkin patches what the heck um, but really I just I think that it's so joyful and this idea of rhythm and uh, rediscovering um, just the pace of our lives uh, with a with a nearly six-month-old baby my rituals and rhythms are constantly changing because she's constantly changing but um, especially with the fall and it's you know, um, I'm getting out of the house more, I'm riding more, um, I'm sort of establishing new rhythms and they are coinciding with this time of fall when I think is a beautiful time to do that. And we do have so many holidays coming up, which I think is a great occasion to sort of uh, engage in ritual creation with your family. And um, yeah, just fall is amazing. So I'm so excited for it. I hope it's bringing you wonder and awe as it does for me every single year. Every single year I share the same Anne of Green Gables quote, I'm so glad I live in a world where there are Octobers. And uh, I always share the same Sigourney Weaver meme. Maybe you've seen it. She's like in a sweater, just like curled up cuddling a pumpkin. I have no idea what sort of photo shoot was going on there, but um, always share that meme. always share this Anne of Green Gables quote. Maybe that's a ritual for me, apparently. So it's just a beautiful time of year and um, a time to start meditating on, uh, yeah, on memento mori, on on sorrow, on uh, looking inward at our lives. Um, That can be beautiful too. And in a way, I think very uh, sort of maybe contradictorily life-affirming. So I hope that uh, in entering into the month of September, the month of Mary's sorrows, uh, the start of autumn sorrows, that you are also finding um, immense depth and uh, and joy and hope uh, there as well. So I'm just going to end the episode with a recommendation, which is... Don't you love New York in the fall? It makes me want to buy school supplies. Oh. I'm almost ready. I would send you a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils if I knew your name and address. You've Got Mail. I love this movie. It's amazing. Uh, my husband and I, even one time we just went through and wrote down all the quotes that we love from the movie and still have plans to maybe have an Etsy shop where you can get mugs and things like that with You've Got Mail quotes on them. It'd be sort of for a very specific audience, but um, <laughs> mainly probably myself. But um, I love that movie. I just, I think it's, um, it's so charming. It's so lovely. 
it's sort of uh, a naive time of internet use that I'm nostalgic for and uh, I think that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are great and you get to enjoy Nora Ephron's witty writing and it's for it's bookish and witty and just yeah just just lovely so if you want a good fall movie watch you've got mail uh so thank you so much again for listening um i hope that you're excited for the season like i am you can follow along with me on instagram um born.of.wonder find me on twitter which i don't really understand but um probably the best way to get in contact with me is just to go to bornofwonder.com go to the contact page uh i'm always on my email so i will get back to you as soon as i can but um thank you so much for listening i'm katie marquette and you've been listening to born of wonder What will NY152 say today, I wonder? I turn on my computer. I wait impatiently as it connects. I go online and my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You got mail. I hear nothing, not even a sound on the streets of New York. Just the beat of my own heart. I have mail from you. Here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. <laughs>